This podcast is a part of the Newhoff Media Podcast Network. Good morning and welcome. The uh, municipal election is coming up. We'll be honest before we know it, to be uh, truthful. Uh, people have asked about the uh, school board uh, candidates and whatnot, uh, people that are running. We're going to get into that in a couple of weeks. Uh, I know Dr. Morris has already started that on the Morse Code. You can check out those podcasts at nowtocater.com, uh, but it is important. Paul Osborne in studios today. There's also a question on the ballots causing some confusion. We'll get to that in just a few minutes. But uh, we were talking early about the governor's state of the state address. You You had to deliver as mayor in fact i remember it was the day after the election for your first one you had to sort of ad lib it uh, uh on stage at the civic center we were there uh how did that i, I guess maybe they, they they did that thing earlier than they do now I, i'm not sure but i uh, i know this was uh i think i mentioned several weeks ago i was elected on an april fool's day and then like I hadn't had any sleep or anything, so the very next morning, you know, I delivered the the state of the city. Actually, uh, you know, I had no track record. I wasn't even in office yet, so that was a— It doesn't matter. Just look at, <laughs> look at Dan. Uh, but I remember that morning fondly. Uh, and, you know, when you look at a state of the state address or a state of the union address by the president of the United States or anything like that, um, it used to be you could sort of find areas of agreement. You could find things that you disagree with. You could, there was nuance in, in sort of describing what was said in an hour, an hour and a half. It wasn't just all bad or all good. Yeah, and I tried when I, uh, you know, I gave several uh, State of the City addresses. I always looked forward to, to getting them. And for me, it was kind of a boost because, you know, you deal with a lot of uh, negative problems during the year and the people that, you know, that want to do something that's a little off the wall. But there you can focus on all the good things that happen in the community and just list them and look at people and say, this is what happened. And you can see the enthusiasm kind of building in them. It doesn't mean that you ignore some of the negative things in the community, but you, you you lay the groundwork to say, hey, look, you know, there are some negative things, but overall, we're moving ahead and we're doing good things in Decatur. And that was always, well, you covered it all, you know, every year. Yeah. And that was uh, the message. And I think, you know, whether it's a state of the union, a state of the state or a state of the city, I think you want to balance that. You don't want to ignore things that are challenges in and, that. And I don't think anyone is for ignoring it. That's right. But but there is this all hat, no cattle thing with this Eastern Bloc uh, Freedom Caucus, folks. I, th this was Dan Calkins' response to an hour and a half speech. And I'll just read it to you. Uh, Illinois State Representative Dan Calkins issued a statement following Governor Pritzker's fifth annual budget proposal presented to the Illinois General Assembly on Wednesday. Now, here's the quote. What you just heard is a billionaire's budget. No concept of where money comes from or worry about cost. If Illinois is going to have a record revenue, like the governor suggests, we should be paying down debt, saving for emergencies, and making permanent tax cuts like Indiana and other states are instead of election year rebates. I heard nothing in that speech that respects the taxpayers of this state. Yeah, I agree. Well, yeah, I received that. I received. You can kind of before you even open them. You but kind I mean, of know what this is the very definition of all hat, no cattle. There's yeah. nothing. I mean, this is three sentences saying all bad, and our guy who had all the answers had to concede at seven oh one on election night. Yeah, 
Well, I, I think you. So look how at, does he speak for the voters? Well, yeah, I think that's it, and that's what the comeback can be from from the governor. You know, the voters have spoken. Do you think the they, governor's going to have a comeback to Dan Calkins? <laughs> I, I mean, that that's the thing. Is there's this weird disconnect where they are happy to be this small, tiny. Uh, have no sway, no influence, no power, no seat at the table, just throw fireballs and raise money, and they're content with that. Well, it doesn't uh, – you, you can't really be content with that. And I, I think, that, you know, you saw whether it was Democrats or Republicans. The Democrats all applauded the speech, the yeah. Republicans. You Except know, they Susanna Mendoza, who, to her great credit, had some criticism about some things. You know, I – and but the Illinois Manufacturing Association started with the things they agreed with and then said, here's what we disagree with. That's, that's what the you do. The State Chamber yeah. of Commerce did the same thing. But the State Chamber of Commerce and the Illinois Manufacturing Association used to be the wheel house of the republican party yeah well i think you're looking realistically at at what you want to get done in this state and uh you know you can object to things and you can say i don't agree with that and it's just a bunch of baloney and i represent the people and that but somewhere along the line you're going to have to make some inroads and have some power to get something done for your constituency. And you can't just stand back and, and, and throw arrows and darts at That's what's it. being said. It's not only what we're doing at the state house, it's what we're doing in Congress. Well, and I, when I looked at those news releases, and, and uh, you pointed this out just, you know, just a couple of minutes ago, uh, you have those from Republicans, from Democrats, and, and radical somewhat on both sides. And then you have those that looked at the speech that he gave and said, you know, there's some good things. You know, I admit there's some good things, and we like that. We applaud that. But also there are some areas that concern us. Maybe not enough uh, money that's going to be allocated for this. That's how you analyze well, a speech. But, but if you look at some of the numbers for the state of Illinois, and I'm in no means arguing that we've perfected anything or we're where we need to be. But in 2019, we had an $8 billion bill backlog, right, if they hadn't paid, which has been eliminated. The rainy day fund was sitting at $60,000. 60 grand. You know what that gets you in a rainy day fund for the state of Illinois? About eight minutes. It gets you two umbrellas. Yeah, and now it's $1.9 billion. Our credit rating was at near junk status. It's had six upgrades since then. Uh, our, our gross domestic product was $881 billion. It's now $1.24 trillion. Our pension funded ratio has moved up 3 or 4%. There has been progress. Now, that doesn't mean you have to agree with everything that Governor Pritzker stands for or not. But when you just do this, you know, yeah, I you know you are, but what am I? I mean, it, it's just so childish. Yeah, yeah. I would like to, I would like to see more input in, into the things that are constructive, saying, you know, uh, okay, you know, we've made some inroads, and uh, there, but there's there are other things that need to be done. Yes. And I disagree maybe with the direction that, Ab that's going. Absolutely. Yeah. But, but here's the opening paragraph of the Freedom Caucus, which got a new member this week, by the way. I saw that, yeah. yeah. Uh, here, now, given everything we just said, this is the opening paragraph, and we all know there's a, a phrase about bearing the lead, right? I mean, you're supposed to bring it in your opening paragraph. We find it amusing that we seem to live rent-free in Governor J.B. Pritzker's head, but we are disappointed that he seems incapable of coming up with a different insult other than the overused carnival barkers reference. But whatever the insult used, the only tool he has at his disposal is insults and wisecracks because he has no idea for our state. Hmm. That's their opening lead. Yeah. After he just 
shellacked your candidate. You are even in a smaller minority than you were on election day or before election day in November, and you have absolutely no clout. What makes these people think they live rent free in his head? I don't know. I do know that some some Democrats that while they approved and, and agreed with a lot of the speech, they also had uh, you know some concerns about some of the the financial uh, uh, obligations and projections. I think I think the governor is is dealing with the Black Caucus, which is growing more powerful, the Latino Caucus, which is growing more powerful, and they're certainly making demands on him. So. Even though they agree with a lot of, of what the governor's done and support that, I mean, they have their own demands. And I think that's what I'd like to see the Republican Party do or those who represent us saying, you know, fine speech. We agree some of these things have been taken care of. I have some concerns about the future. I have some concerns about the allocations of funds for I, this. I and have a huge concerns about why we keep bailing out the state-funded college system because it's so bloated and so, I mean, they're never going to get it right if we keep bailing them out. Well, I, I think it, it addresses, too, the concern that so many, including myself, is that we keep throwing money at things. Like money is going to be, is going to solve everything. And I think what this budget is three billion over last year. I mean, that's three billion dollars, and we do know that a lot of the the COVID funds, the pandemic funds, now have disappeared. So I think there's some rightful concerns of people saying, "Hey, wait a minute here. I'm a little concerned about this additional spending when we're not going to have the federal revenue that we had in, in the coming." So that that's practical. That's looking at it and saying. I have concerns. Can you explain this? Or can we reduce this or put more money here and less money there? I think that's how you analyze a, a state of the state message. You know, pick out the good. No matter who's delivering it. That's right. Whether it's Republican or Democrat, analyze it from the standpoint that, yeah, these are the successes. Now, when we're looking to the future on this, these are my concerns, and this is where I think we should go. I think you don't only just... Uh, you, you don't just throw it out totally. You have some constructive criticism and applause also. But this is just, if you don't want to be called a carnival barker, quit barking. Yeah, I, I just, I, I wish there would be more. Substance? Yeah, I think even in those statements, if you're going to disagree with the governor, give me more substance instead of just, uh, you know, some buzz, some buzz lines and to kind of excite people. But, but here's know. the thing that I don't understand about the base that supports these candidates. Do you not see that you're not gaining any ground? Do you not see that you're not really getting a seat at the table? Do you not see that these people you constantly keep voting for are raising a lot of money off of you, but you're not getting anything in return? Yeah, I think you, you I would like to see those people saying, hey, I expect a little more now. You know, I elected you and now I expect some, uh, some more substance in what you're saying. I expect more direction and I expect some inclusion in this. I mean, you're just being discounted because of what you're saying. Like, you don't matter. Hey, I got elected without you. If you're, if you're talking about the governor, I don't need you. And so whatever you say is not going to impact what I'm doing. I want people representing us, representing the Republican Party, who have impact with a, a Democrat governor. And, and you always felt like you had that with the Dwayne Nolans and the Frank Watsons, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And Even think, if they were in the minority as far as, you know, leadership, they got things done. Well, I think that's that's the, the bottom line of all this. You know, it's one thing to say a lot of things and uh, you're perfectly you've been elected. You, you can say what you feel that you want to say. But the other side of this is and I think the more pressing issue is what are you getting done? 
you know, what are you getting done for the people you represent? You're standing up for them, you know, fine. But in standing up for them, what are you getting done that's meaningful and bringing uh, meaningful uh, issues uh, before the governor and getting some resolution that's going to help our district, the district we live in. That's the reason we elected you, to go over there and do something for us. All right, here, here's what Dan Brady, who I thought was one of the best interviews we did. Uh, he was running for secretary of state. Uh, and uh, he is he's a guy that even, you know, Julie Curry called me and, and asked about doing, worked across the aisle with a lot of people, well-respected. And he, this is what he said this week. One of the things I've noticed the Republicans did in the primary to themselves, Republicans over the years have hitched their wagon to who has the most money. An individual, talking about Ken Griffin, created a slate, a handful of people they thought should be running for these offices. They forgot one thing, the will of the people. That was a huge mistake. And the rest of us are left with the mess that they created. Uh, they spent $50 million to win two primary races and not a single thing in the general election. Yeah. Now, the grifters... The people that get a lot of that $50 million, you, you know, to play the system, you know, they take the donations, they take the money, they take, they don't get you results, yeah. but they all put a lot of money in their pockets in doing that. Well, I, I think you also have to look at this, that those that have been elected and have legitimate concerns and could bring something back to their district are being impacted in a negative way in their effectiveness because everybody's being thrown now, you know, into the same camp that we don't need to pay any attention to them. And, and that's sad. It's sad for us, you know, and I think uh, we want everyone to be as effective as they can be when they go over there to represent us. We want a voice. I don't think we do though. I don't, I, I, when you say the, the Royal, we, I, I think there I do. Are, I, I know, I, <laughs> yeah. and I know you do, but, and I do as well, but I think there's plenty of people that are going to be just super happy with Mary Miller throwing firebombs and Dan Hawkins throwing firebombs, and they're not ever going to question what are we getting out of it? Well, and the bottom line is, you know, uh, those were the people elected and if they're happy with, but them, they were drawn into districts on purpose because the other side, here's what I don't understand about the Republican notion of this today. How can you not be smart enough to go the Democrats want them there. Well, yeah, but and that's always been the case when they've been in power. I no, mean, but I'm saying, but they want, they know every time they do this thing, it, there's a certain amount of the base that's happy, but the rest of the people go, what is wrong with them? Well, and it pushes more people to the other side. Yes. It's, it's, what, it, it's what happens. And uh, I don't know. I, I, I think we can talk about the situation and, and lament the fact of, uh, of the representation, uh, representation or lack of it that we have, but... You know, I'd like to see us move forward in more of a constructive way in terms. Gonna, I don't see it happening. Though. Yeah, and, and that's what, uh, you know, you wonder. You scratch your head and say, how do we get out of this? How do we have power over there? You would again? think, I, I would have guessed, nah, maybe that's too generous. I would think that after the November election, and after this expected red wave, and after all of these things that we were told about what Americans really think, and then the results after that would have given the entire party of this state pause. Yeah. But it didn't. They just doubled down the next day. Well, they doubled down, and several people who uh, bought into that got elected, got reelected. And so. Not in any competitive district, they didn't. 
No, and they probably would have Dick Hawkins elected. didn't have an opponent. He was going to get reelected no matter what. And they drew that district for him because they want him there. Not because he's a great negotiator, not because he's got a view that they think should be heard. They think as long as that guy is there spewing his stuff, it's good for us. Well, that's a democratic strategy. It is. Well, it's a, everybody's strategy, but, but you've got to be realistic enough, even if it's your own party, to see that. Yeah, I think what we look to now are the uh, the, the Democrats and uh, that in the Democratic Party that look at the budget and look at, and they express their concerns because the governor will listen to them. Yeah. I mean, they have an inroad to the governor. Well, they got the majority. And, yeah, that's what it's all about. So, uh, you know, the only way the governor can lose is if they turn against him and say we're well, not going anywhere. I don't, you, you know, uh, Bruce Rauner won the governor's mansion as a Republican in the state of Illinois. I mean, he was the, the governor before J.B. Pritzker. Right. Now, he was a disaster. Uh, I mean, I personally liked the guy all right. I mean, as a human being, but he didn't, you know, he thought he was going to break the unions and do all this stuff. And the, and that's why Pritzker came in. And, I mean, it, I mean, he mopped, you know, an incumbent governor up. I mean, it wasn't even close. Uh, and then everybody's, you know, through COVID, fire Pritzker, you know, all the, the stuff out there. It wasn't even close again. No. And you got to listen to the people. And if you can't get a hundred percent agreement, you got to be okay to have fifty percent agreement, or forty percent agreement, or thirty percent agreement to serve your constituents. You have to have agreement somewhere along the line. Yeah. You you cannot serve without some agreement. No, but they yeah. don't. They don't have any. It's just all all bad or all good. And and both sides. We're talking about here specifically, but this goes on across the country. Now, I want to get to this because you wrote about it this morning about the referendum on the Macon County Auditor, which will be on the the ballot. Uh, some people are already voting, right? Yeah. Or we're close uh, to it. 23rd. 23rd, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what, clarify this for us. Well, there's a referendum uh, on this ballot that asks if we should do away with the Office of Auditor. And uh, uh, actually what the, the county board decided to do is put this question not to do away with the office itself, but in electing an auditor. And, and what was the impetus behind this? I, I think because of the demands of, of some high qualifications for that office anymore, because you know, it's, it's pretty complicated and just hire someone or elect someone because they're popular to fill that office. I think I'd do that with every countywide office we have. Well, I think we're seeing it move towards the sheriff's office, not necessarily in this county, that more stringent qualifications are being put forth. And maybe someday a sheriff will be appointed instead of elected because police chiefs appointed. Yeah. He runs a much bigger department. Police than the chief, sheriff fire does. chief, the city government, they appoint yeah. him. We don't elect those people. I, I, city I think manager. we've had people and I know you alluded to this and, and I guess I won't name names, but I know exactly who you're talking about. You know, that they, they put a thousand dollar computer on his desk. Doesn't even know how to turn it on. Yeah, that's what was told me that said that, you know, you like this person. With no qualification. A nice person, but not qualified for the office. And I think rightfully so, but people will make the choice. Do you want someone elected? Fortunately, we have someone in that office now who's going to retire who's a CPA. You know, this is a very important, the auditor's office is pretty low key and low profile as far as the public is concerned. I, I, I think I would be happy if we woke up tomorrow and we hired all of these people. Yeah. But I, I think the I think it uh, maybe the the uh, the question should have been should the elective the elected office you know be eliminated because yeah. there's still going to be an auditor and if the people you're not going to save any money but you hopefully you're going to get a better quality I mean not that our auditor is great I mean but but moving forward you get someone that knows how to do the job and, and it's not like I'm I'm not 
treating people like dummies, but I would guess that 98.2% of the people voting for auditor don't even know what the auditor does, and they're deciding in a job interview, here's our auditor. That's right, and I know, you know, we get checks from the auditor for advertising. That I mean, there's a lot that goes through that auditor's office, yeah. and so, you know, I want someone in that position that knows what they're doing. Fortunately, the city or the county now has, in that office, elected to that office, a, a CPA, yep. you know, and but... What about the next time when she retires? How about the next elected official for that office? Will I, they have any experience at all? I think you could make the case for doing it across the board. Yeah, at least maybe in, in this office here. And, and I think as we move forward, these offices become more complicated well, and more but, technical. But, but these are, I mean, but, but they're very much so, whether it's what Josh is doing as the clerk, whether the auditor, whether the sheriff, all of these positions, the idea that the whim of the voters with very little, you know, uh, information are deciding who is going to be in charge of, of complicated jobs. Well, yeah. Are you elected because you're a Democrat or a Republican? Or it happens all you, the time. Yeah. Or because you're qualified for the job, and how do how does the public know the qualifications? I think the only other the argument on the other side of this is that the people still want to elect those officials and have that say. But you elect the county board members; they would be the ones, you know. As it's no, to change it. it's no different than electing the city council, who then hires a city manager, who then decides who the police chief is, who the fire chief is. Who I, I mean, it, there's no difference. Well, and we've seen that work in the city, too. We've had some great police chiefs, great fire chiefs, and uh, the city manager, you know, you don't vote on a city manager. The city manager is hired by the city council. Yeah, and we've seen it not work, in fairness, but But it works more than it doesn't work versus just leaving it up to, you know, a handful of actual registered voters that actually bother to show up and vote. Yeah, and the effort is to show up and vote for either a Democrat or Republican, let alone in yeah. qualification. And, to and we've had people that win these county offices that, that, that put in one day a week. Yeah, because the staff knows how to do it, but yep. they don't. Yeah, and, and I, I, think it's a, I think it's an important question, and, and probably of all the questions on this ballot— you know, that's one people should consider. Do we want to keep electing an auditor or do we still want the same position, but we want someone with the qualifications to do the job? And and I'll be the first to admit, uh, and I'll throw this on myself, I have no idea how to determine that because I am not an auditor. I don't have a clue. Yeah. And I, I think you're now, not alone. You got to be careful, too, because you can't have like the county board just, you know, doing the nepotism thing or taking care of cronies or, or party people. You got to hire actual people. And I think that's the bottom line, which might be the greatest concern. Will yep. they hire the right person or will it still be yep. a partisan hire? All right, Paul, great stuff. We're out of time. We'll see you next week. Paul Osborne, the City Hall Insider. You've been listening to the Newhoff Media Podcast Network. For more, visit newhoffmedia.com.